I'm Bianca Vivion, and this is Ask Viv. So I wanted to make this podcast for a few reasons. Um, Ask Viv really came about because I started to see the clear limitations of writing. I think it's just that for me, people really are like, oh, you're a writer, you're a writer. People have always kind of considered me a writer, but really I'm a thinker. And I think that it's weird because public intellectualism is not really a thing these days. Like you get a lot of private intellectualism through academia, and then you get a bunch of people who have no idea what the fuck they're talking about on TV. Um, But you don't really get an in-between of people who just are supposed to think for a living and are paid to do so. And so I'm really just trying to occupationally bring that back. So I needed to get out of Um, the sort of comfort zone that's provided by being a writer because the thing about being a writer is that you only have readers and that's basically your following and there's actually so many people that can't or won't read and so I really wanted to connect with a wider audience um, that didn't have to sit around for six minutes to wait for me to get to a point and secondary to that is that I really wanted to connect with all of my readers and followers who write me asking so many great questions about life. Where do I go with my life? What do I do now? What are your favorite movies? What are you going to eat for dinner tonight? Do you have a boyfriend? What should I do about my boyfriend? What should I do about the phone I'm about to buy? How do I make money to save for an apartment? How did you learn to live by yourself? All of these questions that I get literally on a weekly basis because I had always wanted a traditional advice column like the ones that they used to have in the 90s corny ass sex in the city musing of white girls giving you advice on drugs and ex-boyfriends and xyz but I thought I think I'm a little bit more qualified to give advice and maybe I'm completely wrong but I think that this is really the only way to find out so I'm actually really excited to do so So with that being said, I'm going to get right into these questions. Dear Viv, how can I become beautiful? Not physically necessarily, but internally, and accept myself for whatever I am or will be? That's a great question. I think that beauty is always a tricky question because beauty truly is, well, obviously it's a power system, but on an individual level, it's a set of standards. I mean, honestly, all beauty is a set of rules because the minute that something doesn't confine to a rule of beauty, that's when it becomes ugly. So I would say that if you're trying to become beautiful internally, you have to decide what that means for you. For me, my internal standards of beauty are definitely um, highly defined through spirituality. What is pleasing to God? What is goodness to God? What is beauty to God is highly informative of my own standards of beauty because I think that when I think about nature, when I think about goodness, when I think about graciousness, I always sort of come to terms um, and end and begin with God. Um, And then being a Libra, I'm like concerned with like cleanliness, fashion. People are like, oh, external beauty, like it's not important. But external beauty is literally the vessel through which you move through the world. It's important to have your own standard of what you believe is physically beautiful and to try to ascribe to that when you can. Um, I do really think that that's important and I think that it's honestly underplayed because people don't want to seem self-obsessive or vain, but vanity is in excess, so you can do that in moderation. You have to decide what it means to treat other people well. I mean, you'll never feel beautiful um, as accomplished as you are if the people in your life don't regard you well. And that's just period. I mean, I think about even last weekend when I got into an argument with my sister and I said something really fucked up. And I thought, like, damn, what an ugly ass thing to say. And it was just so strange because I really thought about 
how I just didn't want to be like that. I didn't want to be the type of person that said that thing. And so in that, I had to reevaluate my own internal standard for beauty when it came to dealing with others um, and dealing with loved ones. So yeah, that's that on that. Dear Viv, what are your thoughts on Colin Kaepernick? I love Colin Kaepernick. I think that it is a truly courageous thing to take on an entity that's as corrupt and racist historically as the NFL. I have such a huge issue with sport and like their relationship to black people like historically they've always been racist this idea of ownership and trading black people it's obviously so controversial in so many ways and people don't really want to deal with it because it's a form of entertainment but just the commodification of black people in exchange for political silence is so ridiculous and so in so many ways i support colin kaepernick but more than anything besides the nfl the fact that he's so vocal about police abolition which i don't think that people talk about too much Like, my politics are so abolitionist in every way, and I do not think of the police as necessary. In fact, I believe them to be a great detriment to society, especially to Black people, particularly to Black people, and sure, also to people of color in general. So yeah, when I really honestly consider Colin Kaepernick, I think that the most radical thing about him is his stance on police abolition. He's really not saying, oh, police reform. He's really saying, like, this is an entity that needs to be completely rid of. He understands the historical resonances of slavery with the police. And he's actively and publicly fighting for that while being like also, I guess, like a philanthropist or whatever the fuck he's doing. And so that's just so admirable to me. And I think that our entire community should back him 100%. I'm 100% for Colin Kaepernick. But I would also say that somebody inspired him to do this work. There are people that are doing that kind of work without any kind of recognition. So I encourage you that if you're an admirer of Colin Kaepernick, especially his views on police abolition, to look up people who are actually doing work with that. Um, Because there's a lot of great, completely unnamed, anonymous people who I'm sure need the money, the praise, the backing, the protection a lot more than Colin Kaepernick. But yeah, that's my nigga. Dear Viv, what was the book that made the most impact on your life? In other words, what book was the one that made you appreciate reading and made you want to write? When I think about the book that made me want to write and made me want to read, um, I can think definitively of two in two separate moments of my life. The first is Zora Neale Hurston's Their Eyes Were Watching God. I read it in the 10th grade, and I think the strange thing about that book is that it's not really... Um, your typical coming-of-age story for an adolescent girl because all of the books that I had read that were kind of like this Bill Duggs Romana coming-of-age stories they were books about adolescent girls who had gone through some like sexual trauma or been sold somewhere married or any of these things to realize womanhood and blah 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 but this is a book about a girl who becomes a woman at like age 45 Like, she really discovers herself, ventures out, looks for herself, does, like, a lot of hard, harsh self-reflection and self-confrontation when she's older. She's, like, 52 in this book, and she finds the love of her life, like, 52, 53, and it was so interesting because this book helped me understand my mother in so many ways, and I didn't know that reading could do that for you because all of the conclusions that I had made using books had been conclusions that I think that even through my own life I would have come to naturally. But I came to this sort of artificial conclusion that I needed this book to come to. And I didn't know that a writer could do that for you. 
And I think that that's when I knew that I really wanted to actually, actually write. Because that kind of reading changed me. It really, really changed me. Um, And I think that knowing that it was a change that could have only happened through that language that Zora Neale Hurston gave me was something that really changed my relationship to reading and writing. Um, And then the second book is James Baldwin's Notes of a Native Son which is a collection of essays that are musing on things like um, Black people in Hollywood in the 50s and the 60s, you know, relationships of young Black adolescents to religions, all through James Baldwin's own personal experiences. And I think that this book was so revolutionary for me because I had no idea that the essay could be such a powerful tool of expression because I had only been really exposed to the essay through schooling. I mean, when you think of essays, you kind of really typically think of school or academia because you either have nonfiction works, which are full books about one singular thing, or you have fiction works, which are made up. And I literally am so bad at fiction. Like everything I've ever written in fiction, the characters have been cliches, completely predictable endings, very lackluster story details. Um, So yeah, I found this niche in between where I could write these very short things about experiences that I had had that had led me to conclusions, but more importantly, had led me to important questions um, that formed how I lived my life. And so that's when I learned that writing could change you, but it actually didn't need so much time to do it because I had only really been exposed to meaningful writing in long form because I had never read a news article that had really changed my mind about anything. Um, I didn't really consider blogging a form of writing, to be quite honest. And so to find this short thing that could actually present you a very clear and concise story and ask you very difficult questions while also moving you to your core, which James Baldwin always does, was such a crazy enlightening experience for me. And I was like, wow, if I'm going to write anything, I'm going to write essays. Um, And that's exactly what I did. Dear Viv, It's hard to find love in a toxic culture of hookups and one-night stands and bashing intimacy at college. Bit of a ridiculous question, but how can I find love amidst all of that? Uh, Okay, so let me just be quite honest. When I entered college at Columbia, I was so hoping to find some rich, hot Columbia Ivy League guy that would take me to Martha's Vineyard and buy me a bunch of Louis Vuitton and like be really nice, super smart, have intellectual conversations with me, you know, take me out of poverty, meet my parents, and we would like go live in Dubai or something. Um, not only ha- did I go to Dubai and find that it was the tackiest place in the world, but Columbia guys were the corniest, most boring, offensive ridiculous ass people that I'd ever met. Ivy League guys in general, Wall Street guys in general, were so much of that. Um, Just truly unkind people. And so I found that any guy worthy of dating in the entire time that I've been in college has one been nowhere near around my college. But I also understand um, that that's not the case for everybody. So to your question, I would say, first, you need to seek friends and people. It's so boring to say. Like, obviously, like, we have our initial attractions to all types of people but I found that my worst ever relationship in college was because I was purely attracted to a guy and I tried to extend that beyond something like a realm that it really should have never gotten to because I just was so attracted to him and like I just thought this random ghetto ass nigga was just so fine and just like he was not interesting he was not smart but he was interested in me and he was so attractive that it was kind of just like 
looking in a mirror because he was constantly reverberating like whatever I was saying back to me and saying how interesting it was and then he looked really good doing it and then I tried to extend that into a relationship so I just say don't do that but honestly growing pain so whatever yeah you have to make friends with your partners like or potential partners it's really kind of annoying because actually I have a way higher standard for friendship than I do for relationships but the thing about it is when you actually do get into good intimate relationships there are so many times when they're just boring because realistically if you're in a good intimate relationship you can't spend the whole time arguing and it's not always going to be like rough hot sex and you know great fun adventure times there will truly be days when you do nothing or there will be very little to talk about and you have to be able and trusting enough to just be comfortably yourself which is sometimes a boring person um and honestly this has been mirrored in advice that i've gotten about marriage people are like yeah you're married for 40 years 50 years it's boring like there's times when it's genuinely boring and the people i love to be bored with the most are my friends like i can be bored with my friends i can sit in a room with my friends and say absolutely nothing i can work around my friends i can cook with my friends like i can just live an average ass person's life no matter how interesting we are the other 23 hours of the day and really feel secure in myself so find friends or guys that at least you would be friends with because even if I was immediately dating certain guys I was still off the bat friends with them and I could introduce them to my friends versus some guys that I dated in college that I was like wow please don't let my friends catch me with this person they're gonna be so like oh my god Bianca what are you doing I'd be so embarrassed to introduce them because they were just not up to quality with my actual friends so find friends or people that you could see yourself also being friends with because one you'll have a great relationship but also if it ends you will maintain a friend which is the most important part about building relationships because friendship is much more it's a much 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 more sacred thing than romance trust me and this final question which is kind of a long one dear viv I've been trying to find myself and I don't know if I'm doing it right. I feel so alone, which I've always been, but it has just really started affecting me for these past two years in college. I used to love being alone, which I still do, but now it's starting to register that I have no one. I get irritated being around others, though. I also get heavy anxiety. I don't know if this comes from years of isolation and being teased since childhood. I keep telling myself growth is coming, but I'm losing hope. (sighs) I've been there. I really have. I'm definitely a self-isolationist, and I've definitely been trying to work on that um, as I enter adulthood because it is so hard if you're an introvert to really value people seeking um, and really going out of your way to seek people and get out of, I guess, what some people call a comfort zone, but what I would really just say is in my nature. I always live alone. Like, since I was 17, like, I live alone. I want to be alone most of the time. I thoroughly enjoy being alone. I don't really seek large groups of people. I don't really seek social outings if I don't really have a clear goal in mind of what I'm trying to do with them. I mean, that could also be because honestly, New York City sucks, but I completely understand the phenomenon of self-isolation. And I would just say like, first of all, call the friends that you have. 
Like, that was something I really had to learn to do because there was times when I was like, wow, you're all alone. No one is calling you. You haven't heard from anybody. But then I'm like, oh, wait, you don't ever show up anywhere. Nobody knows where you are. Like, I had to actually call my friends. I had to call my friends back home that I had left when I went to college. I had to call my family. I had to call the people that I actually knew that cared because it turns out that they had been wondering about me. But also, I would say... There's no such thing as doing it right when it comes to finding yourself. I mean, I know that it's so dissatisfying in so many ways, but you're going to so many times in college, because it's honestly some of the most formative years of your life, feel like you're doing everything wrong quite often. If you're feeling easygoing about who you are in your life, you're usually not doing it right. Like, of course, it's great to be self-satisfied and feeling content because that's super important but at the same time it's just like you went from the most contrived ridiculous experience that is high school for four years and then all of a sudden you're out into a world where nobody's clapping for you nobody's congratulating you nobody really cares if you find yourself nobody even cares if you eat or if you go to sleep like it's honestly all up to you and I know that it can seem like the most big and important thing to find out who you are tomorrow but it's just not true and the thing is that the people that seem like they have it all together that they know exactly about themselves that they're mega self-aware constantly self-reflective they love themselves they're beautiful they're healthy all these things that's false too I mean literally people always write me and they always start with Bianca you seem so sure of yourself they're like you have it all together look at your life and I'm looking around I'm like yeah like look at my life like obviously like through the grace of God like honestly thank God I've started to climb out of this shit that I've been in for so long that deals with poverty and blackness and womanhood but it hasn't by any means been easy and honestly self-reflection and self-confrontation for even myself has not been easy like over over the first years of college I gained 35 pounds do you know how hard it is to tell yourself like wow, you've gained 35 pounds, you really should change your eating habits, really should change what you're doing, like, all of these sorts of things, like, self-confrontation is, if self-confrontation was easy, then everybody would be doing it, but guess what, almost nobody's doing it, everybody has their vices, everybody has their addictions, so the fact that you're even asking and saying that you're making a great attempt means that you're on your way there and I think that it just requires a lot of self-patience and self-forgiveness don't think that there's some kind of destination to get to and don't think that there's somebody that's doing it right and you're just doing it wrong because the thing is is that people have so many insecurities and people are so pleasure-seeking that they're almost never self-reflective in any meaningful way because it's the fear of thinking that they're losing hope and the fear of not knowing what's going on that makes them shed attention from themselves they just focus outwardly they focus on things they focus on other people they focus on buying shit they focus on sex they focus on drugs like and it's not even to say that's necessarily a judgment but i'm saying that taking time to seriously say who am i i just don't know is one of the scariest and most important things that a young person can do and you're doing it so you're doing fine and i think that honestly what i've had to learn to do with myself is say damn Bianca, you're doing fine. You're really doing fine. And honestly, sometimes that's so satisfying to just be like, damn, bitch, breathe. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes I just break down and cry anyway. 
because I remember where I was at and then I think about where I'm trying to go and I'm a million miles from both points and I just have to keep going because I have to and you have to keep going too. My freshman year of college was the hardest year of my life and I have had a hard life. It was harder than even that because I truly was like, damn, you really thought you knew yourself. And I was like, damn, you really have no fucking idea who you are. And that's okay. Like, it's actually going to take, inshallah, I get another 60 years, 70, 80 years to try to figure this shit out. Like, that would be so nice if I could really take all that time to figure it out. But you trying to hold yourself to that before you're even 21 years old, I mean, even when you say it out loud, it sounds pretty impossible and just a little silly. But trust me, you'll be okay. Well, that's it for questions for this show. So honestly, that really went by a lot faster than I thought, but that was fun. Keep submitting questions, but I so appreciate you for listening if you've made it this far to episode one. And next week, we'll be back with episode two. More interesting questions, more conundrums, more conclusions, more anecdotes, more, 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 more life, more life, more life. This is Bianca Vivian, and this is Ask Viv. I remember how my dog and heavy heart was sick.